you walk through the fire, what do you do when you get to the other side? You stand there and you look around and you wonder, okay, now what? And sometimes you just need somebody who's extending their hand to say, I know what. Welcome to You Better, a show about personal discovery and love. I'm your host, Keisha Garrison, and I'm on that journey of knowing and loving who I really am every day, just like you. I want you to come face to face with yourself and be proud of what you see. My friend, it's time to do better. It's time to you better. Now let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to another episode of You Better. We've got another beautiful soul joining us this week. A great friend of mine, Kim Blue is joining me in conversation. Kim is a strategic thinker and a person who can lay out a blueprint for success, honey. She is a human resources leader by trade, but I know her as an incredible listener and an earnest friend who is really capable of such deep sisterhood and love. I have had so many great conversations about living according to one's values and doing the hard things in life with Kim that I just had to ask her to sit down with me on the show. Now, she showed up in a shirt that had the word heal written on it in huge letters, so I knew it was about to be on. Grab your tea and have a seat with Kim and I as we take a trip with her on the journey of personal discovery from her time as a young girl in North Carolina all the way to her life now getting in alignment with her healthy self and building community in Atlanta. I'm so, so happy and so thankful that you have joined me here on You Better. Thank you so much, Kim. Can you tell us who are you today? So many things. I am a mom, first and foremost. That is my greatest title, my greatest joy. It's the job that I take the most pride in that gives me the greatest stress. It's a good stress, but it's the greatest stress, (laughs) right? So I am a mom. I am... You know, I'm a leader by trade, but I'm also a leader of people. So that means that I spend my time listening to understand, to create change, to encourage, to develop, uh, because that's that's what I think leadership is. And we can talk a a little bit about that later on. Um, I am a woman living in a time that is Yes, a time, a time, (laughs) right? That is (laughs) evolving and changing and full of so many things. You you know, it's so interesting because oftentimes when people say, who are you? We immediately go to what we do. And so I'm being more intentional about Mm -hmm. who I am answering that question, because what I do is a separate question. But I am a mom. I am a leader. I am a woman. I am a woman who is learning and growing and spending time in places where my energy can be the currency that I am using the way that I want to. So that's, mm. that's who I am. Thank you for that. And I appreciate the distinction between who you are and what you do. That's a big part of my sanity making yes. the older I get, because I think we definitely get trained into a way of thinking where it's like everything that follows I am is some sort of profession and it makes for a really limited sense of self. The profession can change at any point in time. Your title can change. Your organization that you're affiliated with can change, right? You're still the things outside of that. So I've been more intentional about making that distinction because it's my own accountability to myself. Yeah. So when you think back to to young Kim, let's take it back. Let's go back to you in middle school. Picture up little middle school Kim in your mind's eye. What do you think she would think of all that that you just said? The mom, the leader, the woman living in a time, (laughs) focusing on your energy, all of this wisdom. Middle school Kim would be proud of and right, and I'm right, 41 year old Kim. I'll tell the world, right? I'm proud of my age. I think I have grown into it. I tell people age agrees with me. And and I say that, listen, okay. And I say that because in middle school, I was the antithesis of everything that I am now. I was not as mm. brave as I wanted to be. 
I was not comfortable in my own skin. I was living by the terms, conditions, and definitions of others, right? I, I was the girl in middle school who was told, um, you know, you, you talk like a white person. Why do you use those types of words? I was also, you know, ridiculed, made fun of for other reasons. And so I did not have a voice the way that I do now, even though I knew who I was and I knew the things that I liked and I knew what was interesting to me. Those things weren't popular, cool, or anything of the culture, right? Whatever the culture was or is when you're 12 or 13. And so because of that, <laughs> though, I shrank back a lot and I did not let my light shine. I was always trying to be what something defined by something else, whatever that something was. I was trying to be that something, but oftentimes it wasn't authentic to me. And it was only in moments where I was alone or, you know, away from friends or, you know, schoolmates that I felt like I could be my most authentic self. So at 40 something, right, 41, I am confident that 13 year old Kim would be proud of 41 year old Kim, because I have evolved into all the things that I knew I wanted to be then. I just didn't know how. And I, and I don't, I don't quite mm. think I had the community to help instill in me how, right. I recently read a quote that said, you have to forgive your family, your parents, whomever for the things that they didn't do, the ways that they didn't love you, the appreciation that they didn't show you, that they didn't have anyone to guide them through their own traumas, through their own issues. And yeah. so if they didn't have that knowledge, how then were they going to give that to you? I've been sitting with that mm -hmm. and letting that fuel my own healing, right? And, and it's very appropriate that I have this, this shirt on today because sometimes <laughs> you need those reminders, whatever that looks like. And so that's why I think 13-year-old Kim, middle school Kim, would be very proud of this Kim. Yes. What types of things did you want to do that weren't feeling like they were going to be accepted or acceptable? Being smart. Mm. Being smarter outside of the culture or whatever it is that you're doing as a kid, what's expected of you as a kid, you know, reading books, traveling the world, doing things that may not have been accessible to right, the Black community. And so because of that, the mindset was reduced. And so any attempt at operating outside of that invited in ridicule. It invited in, you know, things that kids say, right, when you're, you know, making fun of people for doing other things, for stepping out there. But I always knew that I wanted to travel. I always knew that I wanted to see the world from someone else's backyard. Um, I knew at 18 when I left home that I was not coming back, right? Even they say that the world is your oyster. No one ever said that to me. I just knew that that was my first step into whatever journey I was going to go on. And even then, trying to do all of those things. I still had influences from, you know, family, friends around why, why would you want to go there? Or how, how do you think, you know, we're going to be able to help you if you do that? And the reward always outweighed the risk for me because I didn't want to not know. That's the thing that I couldn't live with. Right. So I lived in my head mm -hmm. a lot with the ideas that I had and it wasn't until I was well into, you know, being a working adult that I actually started to feel comfortable taking more of those risks um, or what I would have considered risks. Now they're just opportunities, stepping into them and, and embracing what that looks like. But, you know, networking with people, meeting new people, whereas that may have been, you know, regarded in a different way in a different time. Now it's absolutely the foundation of how I build relationships, how I do what I do best, right? Which is connect and, and, and build mm -hmm. all of that. Those were things that were just encouraged on a very limited scale, right? I remember wanting to go to college outside of North Carolina. And at the time my mom saying, I'm just not comfortable with that, right? Um, but I don't know if she was comfortable with that because she wasn't comfortable with it for herself or if it were really about her concern for me. Either way though, 
it was a limiting belief. Um, it took a long time for me to unwind from those mindsets or that obligation to others, right? Um, because someone assists mm. you in some way financially or emotionally, right? That then invites them into your space in a way that allows them to tell you what they think you should do. And I had to break away. I had to break away from that mm -hmm. uh, because I was not living for myself. Ooh. Can you take us through some of the, some of the, how you, you did the breakaway because the transition from I'm a young person right. and this don't feel right to I am 41 <laughs> and ages agreeing with me and I'm a leader who teaches other people how to lead. I am interested in some of the steps in between. Yes. So that's a great question. So the, the very first example that I will give is when I, my first internship outside of um, college was um, at ESPN. That's where my career started. Um, and I remember going to the internship and my dad and my uncle drove me. And I just remember feeling so unempowered because they wanted to see me off. Mm -hmm. And I know they wanted me to be safe. They wanted to make sure that nothing was going to happen, that they could see where I was going to live. Um, and so they did that. And then I spent an entire summer in New England, right? Getting familiar with a whole part of the world that I had never seen before. And then at the end of the summer, I wanted to drive myself from Connecticut to North Carolina. Now, not a big deal, but a big deal at the same time. <laughs> Right. For family who had never done that. My family has always lived close together. They've supported each other that way. That's just been what worked for them. But I had spent three months exploring New York City and Connecticut and Massachusetts, and I was alive, alive. So I was ready. I was like, I can drive 14 hours on the road. Right. I had mapped out my entire. And I remember at the time having a passionate argument with my father <laughs> about how I was going to do it. I said, I bought a map. I talked to my friends who live at different places between Connecticut and North Carolina. They've all told me, hey, this is what I do. Here's what works for me. This is when I'm leaving. We can meet up for lunch if you want. Like I had, I had taken my steps and it was just so hard to do that. But that was the first time I truly found my voice and um, said, mm. I'm doing this. I don't need you to come and help me because I didn't want that to be my pattern my entire life. So I needed to find my voice. And then Ever since it was going back to that moment of empowerment for myself, when it came time to take the job, the permanent job at ESPN, right? And saying, yes, I'm going to drive myself back to Connecticut because I've driven myself home from there. I'm going to move there, right? I'm going to find my own apartment. I'm going to live by myself, right? Like all of the steps, but it came back to where's my voice, my voice, not the voice mm -hmm. that would bring somebody else peace. And it was also looking my fear in the face and saying, I'm afraid to speak up to my dad. I'm afraid to speak up to this person or say that. But I also knew that I didn't want that to be my journey. There's a quote by Anais Nin that I live by, and it says, and the day came where remaining in a tight bud became more painful than it did to blossom. That was me then. I didn't want to be in a bud because that bud is uncomfortable. How do you spread your wings and fly? And I know for a fact that had I not said yes and used my voice at every step of the way, I would not be here. I literally would not be here. And mm. it's been such a powerful journey because each lily pad has gotten bigger and bigger and it's required me to step into something that I have been wildly afraid of and say yes to something or no to someone or that's not going to work for me or I can't accept that for my life and stepping yeah. into the fear to find joy because fear is a blocker and really just kind of calling it out. Therapy has helped Finding my tribe has helped my tribe of other amazing, incredible women who I am literally watching do the same thing and being vulnerable enough to say, how are you doing this? But I had to get comfortable taking those hard steps because what I know is that life is about doing the hard things. It's easy and familiar yeah. to just say, okay, I'll let somebody do this or I'll let somebody, but I was also choosing me, choosing my truth, choosing my honesty mm -hmm. along that those journeys. And those were the things that I just was not taught to do, right? 
I was taught to assimilate. Yeah. The examples in front of me were to assimilate mm-hmm. in certain ways. Stay in that tight bud, assimilate, don't blossom. What I found is that the stay where you are, you know, operate in the fear, don't don't rock the boat. It might it's it might seem, it might read on the outside as it, it will be easier for me to not shake things up and not choose me. Let me just do, let me just run the script. Mm-hmm. But it hurts so much. Mm-hmm. It hurts so much. And what I have found in pushing and going past the fear is that then the life that I've created that is actually more suited to me, even if it don't right. make sense to nobody else, that actually is easier after you do the walk through the fire part where you have to like disobey what people think right. you should be doing. When you find your voice, speak for yourself, choose you. Then I get to a place where I'm like, oh, it actually is. I find more ease and more comfort here. But I didn't know that that's Mm -hmm. what was on the other Mm -hmm. side of the journey. Because when you're in it and you're afraid, it feels like it's too hard. This is easier. Let me just put my head down. Yes. Let's talk about this walking through the fire because that analogy is so powerful. Because think about it. On one side of the fire, you're you with everybody's thoughts, opinions, perspectives, Um, expectations, mindsets, projections of who you should be, why you should do this. And then you walk through the fire and that all burns off and you come out on the other side and you're you stepping into everything that is awaiting you on the other side of that fire. And that's why it is so painful. When you said pain, like I literally felt it in my chest. I had a reaction to it, Mm. but that's what it is. And so you continue to walk through the fire. It, It all burns off. The pain is temporary, but then you step into the joy and you feel that and you move forward in knowing that. And so I think Mm -hmm. sometimes people are afraid to walk through the fire. It takes a lot of courage. It takes being vulnerable Mm -hmm. to do that, but it is so worth it. Yes. Then you got to heal because it wasn't without impact to go through all of that. Even no matter what you were facing before, the actual act of if it's really something big, like I use the example, I tell people or spoken about in many an interview that getting a divorce after a 20 year relationship for me was huge, but I had to do it. And so that was one of the fires that I had to walk through. And it was emotionally extremely stressful to go through that with a young child, with someone who I still consider family, feeling like I was hurting someone I cared about, like so much of that was was hard and painful and it's not like all right and now divorce is done and moving on with my life nah then you gotta like heal from all the emotional and mental and feel like the stress that that was that took its own healing process so it's like you walk through the fire and then you gotta go all the new skin new skin (laughs) new new emotions you have to greet this new self that's on the other, like wherever you get to on the other side of that fire. And sometimes these fire pits, let's just be clear. They are not like, let me just tiptoe across. Like you're in the fire, you're feeling it. And you're it in. is painful and you don't know how, right? You cannot see your way through. There's just fire there. You just know you have to keep walking, right? one foot in front of the other. And then you have to greet this new version of yourself. And then like you were talking about, the skin has to grow back. Well, hello skin. What what am I now doing? Like, what does this mean? And what am I learning about myself now that I've come through the fire? Because like, because the new skin might not need, (laughs) Jargons might not work on the new skin. Now we might need shea butter. We might need a whole, we need new butters for the skin of whatever is here now. An entirely new regimen, right? of skincare, self-care, whatever you want to call it. Because the same things we were doing before we walked through the fire won't work when you're on the other side. And it's hard for people to understand that, especially when you've come through the fire and then they see you glowing, right? They see you doing your best, living your best, operating in the way that you know is for you. People don't know how to meet you there. They're still on the other side of the fire, but there's no walking back. No. And it could be so many different things in in people's lives. This could be something related to your, your parents or your family of origin. It could be your job. It could be your some a friend group. 
it could be so many different things, but whatever that is for a person, you have to realize that when you go through something extremely like mm-hmm. trying for you, you're not going to be the same afterwards. And you do have to kind of pause and look at yourself and say, who is here now? And what does that person need? The other thing is being okay telling your story. Um, and that goes back to that vulnerability. I just started getting comfortable telling my story easily within the last five, six years, really telling my story, right? You have mm-hmm. to tell the story. That's also a part of healing. In my in my experience, I won't say that's everybody, but in my experience, when I can do this, that's a part of the healing. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, speaking of vulnerability, I like to tell people vulnerability is how I activate my magic. It's a huge part of the equation for me. Absolutely. Our friendship started from a very vulnerable moment, right? <laughs> but I can't really imagine did. not having said that because that has been how we have evolved. And we've been rocking ever since that very first day. Do, do you want to share it? Do you want to tell it? <laughs> yes, I will tell the story. So, so I mentioned earlier that I worked for ESPN. That was my first job out of college. Well, I grew up there and had some wonderful opportunities. And when the time came for me to start exploring other career opportunities, Microsoft tapped me on the shoulder and said, come on out. We've got some great work and we think you'd be a good fit. And Keisha and I have a mutual friend who quickly jumped into the picture and said, hey, I've got somebody that you need to meet when you go out to the Pacific Northwest. She is great people. And so you very graciously opened up your home to me. And the very first time that I came by, I had the pleasure of getting to meet your extended family and your family that was there. And um, I asked you a very personal question, (laughs) a very personal (laughs) question, because this is a part of telling my story, right? Because I wasn't ready to tell it. I didn't know how to tell it. And what I didn't know then that I now know is that I needed to ask you that question. Um, And it just so happened that your beautiful (laughs) little one heard that question. Okay. I'm telling you, this kid. (laughs) And she she immediately (laughs) chimed in and said, oh. Um, That's our experience as well. And let me tell you, I was like, oh. Wait, the kids Listen, will tell they you personal will the business tea out of the mouth of babes. And so I asked a very vulnerable and personal question and you were going to answer it, but the baby just solidified it for yeah. both of us and said, we're doing that too. Are you doing that? And this was what my mom did. And I listened. And that was the beginning of our journey together because at that point there was no going back through yeah. the fire. Like I ran through the fire. I had, I was, I was tiptoeing towards yeah. it, but then I ran through the fire after that, but you were right there with me as a part of that. And that was really what helped me get comfortable telling my story because you had already walked through that fire and had, and, and you were healing yeah. on the other side. And so I got to watch your process up front and that's what, that's what yeah. gave me my courage I, to be very honest. I think that power of finding people who can help you mm-hmm. make sense of the world that you're entering or the world that you're experiencing is so important and that whole situation where a mutual friend putting us together and you are a complete, really a complete stranger. But for me, the, the, the referral person was so trusted that I was like, Oh, I'm sure she's great. So come to the house. This is the most convenient thing for me and my single mom life is for you to get over here and just come to my house. And baby girl was like, I don't know if it was just cosmically in her knowing she was like, these two need to get vulnerable fast. I need to expedite this for them. But it was such a blessing that she did that because it absolutely has been a, it's been helpful to me too, to even be talking with you about what you were going through from my perspective, because it also was helping me remember the lessons, remember all the lessons that I had learned from the experience for myself. So it's not even just one-sided when someone needs community and you're like, oh, you found your people and they can share knowledge and insight with you. It's helpful for me too, because then I was reinforcing the things that I wanted to remember. And then as you go through, it it was just such a beautiful um, way that knowing that when you open up to someone new in your life, whoever that person was who says like no new friends, (laughs) I'm like, oh, I'm sorry for you. You need I'm sorry for you. You need, yeah. When you when you walk through the fire, you can't no, be over there by no. yourself. How if you walk through the fire 
what, what do you do when you get to the other side? You stand there and you look around and you wonder, okay, now what? And sometimes you just need somebody who's extending their hand to say, I know what, right? Or I know how, or come here while you heal, whatever the, whatever that is, but you need something because we can't do it by ourselves. You use the word community, right? That was the beginning of us being community, me being a part of yours and you exposing me to yours and me creating mine. Um, because I was new to Seattle. I didn't have any community, right? Our shared community was work. And and I was so new that yeah. I hadn't I hadn't built anything yet. So community was what helped me navigate that fire and begin to understand my place, not just professionally, but personally through all of the changes that I was going through. I was finishing grad school. I had just moved 3,000 miles across the country to a, a place that I had never lived, right, with my family. And I, I too, right, had a small child at the time, right? And I was making some very personal decisions in, in my life around, you know, what, what to do with my marriage, what to do with just other things, finishing graduate school and starting a new job at a very high profile company, leaving every single crutch that Ooh. I had on the East Coast and going out here to a place where all I had to do was step out on faith and heal. It doesn't get more vulnerable than that. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, a mountain. Just, I keep using nature uh, analogies. I'm like, it's like a mountain of things. That was just a lot. It was. It was. And then in this mountain, there was you. Right. It's like, yes, I found like spring water or like life somewhere, you know what I mean? Oh. Cause you, you just, it, it just came out of nowhere. But when, but that's, that's the benefit of community. Cause it does, you don't need 40 yeah. people. You just need one to start. And, you know, when we think about what's happening in the world, right? There's a lot of loneliness. There's a lot of isolation. And these are places, if you've never been to these places and you're not comfortable telling your story, those can be isolating events for you, moments for yeah. you. And so it makes walking through the fire less than desirable. So what do you do? You stay where you are with what's familiar, not in service. Yeah. There's a, a woman who I love um, to follow and she actually, she passed away a couple of years ago, Barbara Sher, And she has this quote that says, isolation is a dream killer. And I really believe that like when you, and it's some of the hardest conversations I have with people when the issue that they bring to me is that they can't mm. find their people and they're looking for ways to find community and find people. And I think once it gets to the point where you're working to do it, that's when it feels the hardest, when it doesn't just kind of, you know, kind of stumble into, oh, I met these people at work or I met these people at church or I met these people while I was doing a project. When, you're, when you get to the place where you're like, I feel alone, right. I need to do something about it. Oh, it does. That sucks. There's a heaviness that comes with that, especially if it's not an easy mm -hmm. resolve or you don't have an immediate kind of pipeline to just say, well, this is where I'm going to go to. You know, you may have to go on a couple dates, as I call it, right? You got to kind of date your community a little yes. bit to understand, yes. is this my tribe or what parts of these community actually relates to where I am in my life right now? Um, or how does that, mm -hmm. does that work for what my values are, right? And and you and I, you're right, and you and I have had yes. numerous conversations about about values in, in our time as friends. But does mm -hmm. that work for what my values are? And and if not, yeah. then what? Because you could find yourself in this vulnerable state. Now you're like you, you're getting vulnerable and you you want connection and you might run into some people who might be well meaning but don't for where they are in their journey, they don't quite know how to how to be with you in a healthy way. You could you can find yourself trying to put up with some stuff just to have people. And that's not the same thing as actually finding your people. All right, it's time for a quick break because I need to talk to the people who might want to book me. So listen, if you are in the position of curating powerful learning experiences, and you like what you're learning here on You Better, let's take this thing to the next level. Email me today to book me for your next event or broadcast where personal growth or activating care for different communities and cultures are on the agenda. 
I am ready to moderate meaningful conversations, deliver insightful interviews, lead learning circles, or to speak about how we can be better to ourselves and others. Tap into my enthusiasm for encouraging us to love and celebrate the richness of our varied experiences. Email me today at info at keishagarrison.co. And don't get it mixed up. That's an I before E in that Keisha, and that is .co at the end. Info at keishagarrison.co. I'll be looking out for your message. Now let's get back to the show. You recent you moved. Let me put it this way. Like, so then Kim <laughs> left me. <laughs> I did. I she did. moved. <laughs> you moved to yes. ATL, yes. if I may tell, tell you business. It, you it. moved That's to Atlanta. <laughs> then what did you do when you got there to find find your people? And you did stumble stumble into somebody, another stranger's living room, so, and start telling your business. No, I. You know what is so interesting <laughs> is that I didn't do that, but I know I, that solidifies. For me, that that's how you and I were supposed to to meet, and so that's such like a sacred mm. moment in my life. It's such a pivotal moment in my life. Um, but what happened was, I moved to Atlanta, and I moved at the start of the pandemic, 2020, when we knew nothing about COVID before vaccines, when when it was just taking over, and we didn't know how to move, and everything was just shelter in place, lockdown. So imagine packing up the home you've known for the last two years, but having to start over where you can't connect with anybody because it's literally a life or death situation, right? Yes. So a lot of my community that first year that I lived here was virtual in terms of the environment because it just wasn't safe physically to get out. And so I didn't make a lot of connections um, the first year. And then when I started my new role, a now friend, um, and then I did not know her, she reached out to me. She cold messaged me on LinkedIn and just said, congratulations, sis. Like, I see you. Um, you You are doing amazing things. I would love to connect with you. At the time she lived on the West Coast, she said, I'm actually relocating, similar to you from the West Coast to Atlanta. Um, She worked for another tech company at the time and um, said, whenever I get there and it's safe, let's meet, but let's just stay connected here. Here's my information. And I thought, okay, okay. And eight months went by before we were able to do that. We kind of stayed in touch virtually. And then when she arrived here, she um, held her promise and said, I'm here and I'm settled. We went out and we had one of the best conversations that I have had, you know, easily in the last two, two and a half years. And during that conversation, she said to me, you're amazing. And I have someone that I would like to introduce you to. Are you open to that? And I said, yes, that's how it started. I literally just had to say yes in spaces that didn't even involve me. And so, because I said yes to that friend, she introduced me to another friend who happened to um, live more closely to me. And then those two then introduced me to other members of their network. And it has been slow over the last year, but we have kind of found this sort of core community. And it's just been in the last sort of few months that we've gotten into a rhythm of connecting and being intentional about meeting and checking in. That's it. It's literally been one foot in front of the other. And it's, and it's, been empowering myself to say yes to something, even if I don't know what the outcome is going to be. And then also saying, well, that yes only yielded this. Let's see what the next yes is going to yield. Right. So putting the fear aside and saying yes to myself and yes to whatever's ahead of me. um, That was a lot of it. The desire to connect with other black women, certainly community, but definitely other black women was, it was big. And so I had to do a lot of cheerleading of, of women that I didn't know. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. which can be scary because you don't know how people are going to respond. No, no. As you are in your mom mode, coaching other people, being a leader, doing all of these things, I want to know how you are loving on you. And this is not even something that's just an interview question because I feel like I check in and ask you this all (laughs) the time. You do. We just, now we're going to have an audience, right? But you do. So everyone, this is a very authentic question. I don't want you to think this is scripted. She would ask me this anyway. Sis, it has been too long. 
how are you and how are you taking mm-hmm. care of yourself? Um, so I have been doing a lot of intentional mind body work, right? Mm-hmm. So positive self-talk because it's very easy to get spun up in the what's not going right when the environment around you is changing when when you are not grounded in your decisions or whatever the case may be it's easy to just be like oh you know I'm not getting anything right or whatever the self-talk is so i've been intentional about the positive self-talk i've also been very intentional about just saying this is where i am today i'm struggling in this moment i'm great last night was tough mm. I need some time, whatever it is, but I'm asking for what I need, because when I do that, then I remain authentic to myself and in alignment with my values. And, you know, I already know I I talk about being operating in alignment with my values and not in opposition um, of them. I have been really inviting in the things that bring me joy. So there has to be something every day in my life, in my day, that is a joyful moment. And that is also about being selfish. And I'm not a selfish person. It's very hard for me to put myself first. I have been putting myself first. It could be, I'm going to go to bed early. It could be, I'm going to get up early and I have 30 minutes to just sit with my tea and not do anything. I just need to be whatever that is. It is, right, when my kid says, can we go do this? Yes, right? And the joy that comes from him when whenever, but every yes yields something. Every moment that I'm choosing me yields something. So there has to be a choice for me in there every day. Mm-hmm. I ask myself a question. What did Kim do that made Kim happy today? What are the triggers that I stayed away from? Ooh. Who are the triggers that I stayed away from? <laughs> Okay. Right. Um, (laughs) How did I use my voice to empower myself? What did I own that was scary? What's the hard thing that I did? Where's my moment of gratitude? Mm. Lots of conversations with myself. Um, Not, you know, in saying, I feel the darkness coming over me. Cause it happens like that, mm-hmm. right? It just, it's like a cloud. It just eases in and being able to say, I feel, I feel the darkness. I need to just, I need to pull back and be there so that I can come out stronger on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes people say, well, what is the darkness? It's just that energy shift that I can acknowledge and, and saying out loud, I'm not in a good place right now. I need to take some time. I need to retreat. I need to just recharge. And so sometimes recharging is brunch by myself. In a podcast, sometimes it is, I need to go on a walk. I need to find some water. I need to be in the sun. I need a call with a good friend, right? <laughs> um, right. There have been times I've reached out to you and just said, I need some, I need some time. I need some community, right? Mm-hmm. It's whatever that is. But that is what I have been doing to love on myself. There's been also a lot of just leaning into the places that give me energy. So what are the things that give me energy, right? That's been a lot of what I've been doing. Um, Spending Mm -hmm. time with my little one gives me a ton of energy, but also creating new relationships with people and just saying, well, tell me about the things that are interesting to you and just listening. I spend so much time talking and educating. Sometimes I just want to be poured into through the act of listening. Mm-hmm. Listening allows you to learn and take things in. And sometimes we don't we don't put high value on listening. We yeah. listen to respond as opposed to listen to be like, what can I take away from that that's in service to me? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's powerful. And I love the way you started out with just naming what was what you're feeling and what's really going on for you. It's just I I kept seeing just being honest with yourself and not just bypassing the the darkness of the feelings. Like actually, because mm-hmm. if you're actually being honest with yourself, then you can you can deal with what's actually yes. happening. Yes. As opposed to just moving past it and then it's still affecting you whether or not you want to be honest about it or not. Yes. There was a period over this last year and a half, right? So this is a vulnerable moment for me. Um, And I don't think, I don't don't know if I've mentioned this to you or not, but 
the darkness was so real around me. I was functioning in my professional life. I was functioning as a mom. I was functioning in other places. And inside, it was lights out completely. Mm-hmm. I was just here. And the darkness was winning. I, I think I just, I did not have it to give. I did not know where to start. I could not figure out anything. Now, I was firing on all cylinders in other places because those were things that, right, work, absolutely. Soccer mom, absolutely. Fur baby, yes, all of those things. But it was lights out inside of my head. And I think, you know, I just recently said this to a, um, to my own loctician, I just, we were talking about this and we were talking about grief and this moment of mourning that you kind of find yourself in, but you, you don't name it as mourning. It's just mm. transition. And I said, you know, you think about grief and these, these tasks or these moments of darkness or depression or whatever you want to call it, you see the signs, but there's no stopping to sit with it because there's so much that still needs to be done. That was me. I was pushing through all of that. Right. And I told her, I said, I think I let the laundry in my house pile up for six months. I did my kids laundry, you know, and I did the things in it. But my but anything that had to do with me. Was on full standstill. Nothing was happening there. Nothing. I did not. I just didn't have it. I was not doing any of the things that I just listed to you. There was no checking in. Right. I was not thriving. I was on the low end of survival. Right. I wasn't ready to tell that story. I wasn't ready to talk about it. So I let my healing come through other ways, but I was not journaling. I was not checking in. I wasn't opening up and saying, this is what I need. I was just down, Mm -hmm. Uh, but that's where I needed to be so that I could get to the fire, right? I was working my way towards that. Uh, But it took a long time for me to just get to a place where I was okay with not being okay, as they say. Yeah. I wish I was there in Atlanta to hug on you during that time. <laughs> yes. yes. I think what I'm really gleaning from this right now is that it's the healing and maintaining is just so not linear. It's still not like you arrive at a place and now, okay, I've reached this next level of standing in my in my kimness and my keisha mm-hmm. and now I'm mm-hmm. good. Like you're going to still it's a practice. You're still going to go through these cycles and then have to remember the things that that you are, remember the things that you learned to kind of then, okay, I have to access them because when you get to those places where, okay, now you're in that, the lights are out, that darkness then tells you that you don't, no, you don't get to have the joy. No, no, no. That's, Mm -hmm. we can't, that's not where we're headed. This needs, this, it becomes so all consuming. It becomes all consuming and you just feel like there is no space for a moment of joy. It's tough, but you have to realize that once you get to all these developmental levels and you feel like you're, you're rocking it, stuff's going to come back up. Yes. And you have to practice what you learned. How did, how did you, if you have, I don't know where you are, you know, after post, post that, that moment, like how did you come through? So, you know what, I, I decided that I was overwhelming myself hmm. because I believed that I needed to do all 16 things right and well in this 24 hours that I have every day. I had to shift my entire mindset. Mm-hmm. What is the one thing that I'm going to do today? And that's going to be the positive thing that I give myself credit for. And tomorrow, if I'm here to see it, I will do one more thing. What is my one foot in front of the other moment? And that was really it. <laughs> like, I'm happy to hear this right? from my friend. <laughs> right? I'm so happy because this I, same, it, it's saving me to not need to be amazing at everything. Man. It's saving my life. I spend a lot of time churning through and living through and pushing through and doing all of that. Sometimes I just want to take this cape off and there was no space for me to take the cape off ever. So I wore it all the time. Right. And my cape got tired. I got tired and the cape got tired. tired. The cape was tired. The cape was tired. Okay. We just needed to sit down. That's what that period was of darkness. I just didn't have it to give anymore. And so I needed to retreat in some areas and just say, it is okay Kim, if 
eight o'clock is bedtime and it doesn't happen until 830. It's, it's all right. Give myself some grace, right? I have the word grace tattooed on one of my fingers because number one, it's the thing I'm the most it's so hard for me to give myself grace or it was at one point. Right. Um, and so I have a, you know, there's a saying that I have, um, with the, you know, sometimes a friend of mine says, you know, rub your finger and remind yourself that you need to give yourself grace. And so that, that rubbing of my finger is my moment to just pause and go, what's gone well today. What have I done? Right. And it's okay. If these are the two things that I don't get done, that's okay. Because something will move and that will solve for itself my personal blueprint is, you know, I need to be in alignment with my values. I need to operate from a vulnerable space. I need to exercise my boundaries and adhere to them, both what stays out and what I am protecting inside of that space. And those three things equal self-care, right? I had to really get my arms around my boundaries Mm -hmm. um, because I didn't have any the way that I needed to. I didn't have a lot with work. There was an imbalance there. And because I was out of balance, my self-care was all out of whack. And then I I couldn't be vulnerable. And then I wasn't in alignment with my values. And it took that time to be able to do that and to be okay knowing that judge if you must, right? And that's what I say. If you must judge, then by all means. However, right? Enjoy yourself. (laughs) Enjoy yourself, right? If you must, but for me, I need to do this. I need to take this step. I need to give this response so that I could create space, new patterns, new mindsets, new behaviors that are healthy and intentional so I can be at my best for me first, then for the endeavors, the people and the spaces that I want to contribute to and leave my impact on. Yeah. Going forward for you, what does it look like to you better to do the Kim work, the work of being Kim mm. even better? Yes. Kim better looks like saying yes when it's not expensive. Mm. It looks like saying no when it's okay. No, but with peace behind that no. Sometimes the no's come with a little bit of heartache. Let my nose be rooted, rooted in peace, right? Grounded in peace so that I can move forward. It looks like always having space for myself first after always not, right? Women tend, and and Black women often, right, tend to put everything else first. I cannot do that anymore if I want to be at my best and I don't want to be at my worst. It also looks like allowing people to help me more than I ever have before. Because as I, as my star cracks the horizon, right? And I say that humbly and not so humbly at the same time, right? But as my star, (laughs) right? comes up over this horizon, I can't do it all. And so I've got to be okay saying in order for me to be my best in the spaces that I want, I have to ask for that help. Sometimes that help is saying no. Sometimes that help is saying, how do you do it? What did this look like for you? Um, That's what Kim better is. It is letting go of old ways, decisions, anything that I have not forgiven myself for, um, let go of, right? Any of that, me better is not being attached to that and creating new patterns, ways of living, right? You hear people talk about breaking generational curses. This is starting a generation of something, whatever that is. That's me better, laying that foundation. Beautiful. Thank you so much, friend, for joining me on You Better and sharing with us. Thank you for having me. This is, I I always, always enjoy talking to you. You just, you bring out the goodness in me every single time. So it's it's never a disappointment. I appreciate you. All right, it is time for a quick break. Y'all, let's talk about books. You know how at the end of every episode, I give you some resources and often those resources are great books that I think would really pair well with the things that we're learning and doing here on You Better. So for that reason, the podcast is affiliated with bookshop.org. 
Bookshop is an online bookstore with a mission to financially support local independent bookstores. So whenever you head over to bookshop.org slash shop slash you better and purchase my recommendations, you are not only supporting your own self-love and self-discovery journey, you are also helping to keep local bookstores as an integral part of our culture and communities. And on top of that, you are also financially supporting the production of You Better. Again, that's bookshop.org slash shop slash you better. Head over there to get shopping. Okay, now let's get back to the show. I love talking with Kim. After hearing her stories, I am most struck by the story she shared about wanting to drive herself from North Carolina to Connecticut as a young woman. She needed that moment for herself. That speaks to something that I believe is essential for a personal discovery journey, and that is that there comes a time in your life where you need to make yourself proud of yourself. Something will call to you, and you'll know you have to do it for you. And after you do it, you will feel that feeling, this stirring inside of pride in what you have accomplished and what you have done to please yourself, and it's going to feel so good. And when you feel that feeling, you can't unknow it. You'll want it again. For me, that was starting stand-up comedy. For Kim, that was buying a map and taking a solo road trip. What is it for you? How will you make yourself proud? How will you empower your own sense of self? Love that. I also love the conversation we had about building community. I feel like we really dove in there in the episode, so I won't belabor the point. I'll just say I hope that it was helpful for you to hear what building community looked like for someone else in their journey. It doesn't matter if you're 22, 32, 42, 52, whatever the case may be. When it's time to find your people, there's going to be some some vulnerability involved. There's going to be some steps you have to take. And I hope it was helpful to see one woman's journey there. Another bit that I loved about this episode is our conversation about walking through the fire and Realizing that when you go through a really tough time, afterwards you are not the same. You might need some new routines, some new experiences, some new people in your life, just new care for who you became after you came through. And then that's not going to be the last fire because personal growth isn't linear. You will get a moment to practice what you have now learned. Or you might go through something else that will reveal something else to you about life. You simply haven't learned all your lessons yet. And some of them are going to hurt again, but you will grow through them. So that's a lot, y'all. I am going to recommend two books um, to pair with this episode. If you are into the feeling of getting into some books after you listen to these episodes, one is Menda Hart's book called Right Within, How to Heal from Racial Trauma in the Workplace. That one, um, I think, really speaks to the boundaries that we need to draw in the workplace to make sure we are maintaining our health and wellness. And there is another book that, to be very honest with you, I have not dug into yet, but I'm looking forward to. It's called Nobody Knows the Trouble I've Seen, The Emotional Lives of Black Women by Inger Burnett Ziegler, PhD. So those are my recommendations for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed what we heard from Kim Blue today. And with that, I also hope you learned something today that will help you to you better. I'll see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you found value in this episode, share it with a loved one. That's the main way we keep the show going and growing. And please leave a rating and a review for me. Let me know what's on your mind. All right. I'll see you next week.